Hey there, I'm so pumped to tell you about an amazing new community I've launched called Grief to Growth Circle Community. It's a space for people who are grieving to come together to support each other and for people who want to know who we are, why we're here, where we're going to have those conversations, all the things we talk about on the podcast. So I invite you to join me at grieftogrowth.com slash community to become part of this compassionate crew. The best part is 100% free. And you have access to me in addition to everybody else in the community. In fact, the podcast will be there so you can talk about the things we talk about in the podcast right there in the community. There's also some premium content if you want to go deeper in the work I'm doing, but mostly it's about building relationships and community and about sharing resources and supporting each other. So come on over and check it out. It's grieftogrowth.com slash community. I'll see you inside. Hi there. Welcome to Grief to Growth Podcast. Your host is Brian Smith, spiritual seeker, best-selling author, grief survivor, and life coach. Brian believes that the worst tragedies of life provide the greatest opportunity for growth. Brian says he was planted, not buried, and he is here to help you grow where you've been planted by the difficulties in life. In each episode, Brian and his guests will share what has helped them to survive and thrive. It is his sincere hope this episode helps you today. Hey, I just wanted to say really quickly before the episode starts, um, did have some technical difficulty with Frankie's um, connection, um, but this interview is one I've been excited about for a very long time. So I was going to press through it because I had her on. Uh, I might have to have her back if if you guys find the audio is too bad, but um, try to get through it if you can, because it's definitely worthwhile information. Uh, the team books are books I read years ago. I've read them multiple times. I recommend them to everybody. I can I can tell about it. And Frankie and I have had some trouble getting together on the calendar. And I finally had her today. So we were going to do this interview no matter what. So go ahead and give it a lesson. Try to make it through to the end and make out what you can. If you want me to bring her back, just let me know and I'll bring her back. Thanks. Bye. Hey, everybody, this is Brian Smith, and I'm back with another episode of Grief to Growth, and I'm really excited about this episode today. I've got with me uh, Francis Key, uh, who is someone who wrote a series of books called The Team. And if you've been following me for any length of time, you've heard me mention The Team before. Um, they're some of my all-time favorite books. I've read the books, like each each book a couple of times, and it's a series of four books. So uh, what happened is at the age of 86, uh, Frances' mother, her name was Gloria Crystal. Teddy was her nickname, Key. She passed away at her Florida home, or her family was by her side. When 19 days later, she began to communicate with her eldest daughter, who's Frances, who I've got with me today, about the scope and wonder of her new perspective from the afterlife state. And they, Francis went through a variety of experiences, including automatic writing, direct contact, and sudden downloads of information, and put together this collection of information that she's titled The Team. So as I said, it's a series of four books, uh, the book one, book two, book three, and then the fourth book is called, I believe it's called Beyond the Team. Um, so I want to introduce Francis Key. I'm excited to have her here. And I, we've met a while ago. We have some trouble getting this worked out, but we're finally together. Okay. Yes, we're here. We're here at the right time, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Francis, I was, as I was saying in the introduction, um, the books are just to me amazing. And I, and I, I say that because I've read them multiple times. I've, I've uh, shared them with a lot of people, but I want to let people know how the books came to you. So explain to me what that experience was like. Yes. Well, it's been 10 full years now, which I can hardly believe. 
And I always like to explain to people the background, um, the relationship I had with my mother before she died, Mm -hmm. because I considered her my best friend and spiritual teacher uh, throughout my life. So we had this shared bond and uh, we'd had a number of different kinds of spiritual experiences together in our lifetime anyway. We really had a foundation. Um, when I was very young, I used to do, uh, I used to write poetry and I would tell my mother that something took over my hand and would write these very, very beautiful poems that were way beyond my age. And she kind of counseled me in what that was. And she understood that I had this natural tendency. Mm-hmm. Before she died, she constantly told me, you should do that kind of writing again and write down some of the spiritual things you've learned in life. And I'd always say, no, I don't feel drawn to that. And I'd tell her she should write a book because she was so wise. And I said, just make it 80 concepts from an 80 year old before you died. You know, she'd go, no, I'm too old. I'm too tired. Well, little did I realize, and I truly had no inkling Hmm. that I would have this level of connection with her after she died and that indeed she would get the book written that she thought that I should have been writing and, and that I thought she should have been writing. Wow. Yeah. So uh, I was with her when she passed, I was with her when she took her last breath and I felt at the moment of her passing something I didn't understand, but I grew to understand. And it was, uh, I felt like a part of me left and a part of her entered, a part of her stayed in a way, and a part of me left. Hmm. And I think this literally happened because I've come to learn from these books. And believe me, I'm a student of the material, Hmm. not a master of it. I'm not even the author of it. I study it like anybody else. So I'm growing in my understanding of it. But I came to understand that we have different aspects to the soul. And that I think what occurred was an aspect of me actually departed the earth uh, because on the other side at all times, at all times, I hope you can hear me clearly. So I felt like something within left and something of her remained and it allowed this connection and this communication to take place about three days after she died i told my sister i person i feel all the and my nickname's frankie and i said all the frankiness is gone and she said well this doesn't sound normal this doesn't sound healthy you should talk to a counselor i said no it's i couldn't put it into words but something had gone and something had entered. So 19 days after she died, I was on an airplane to New York City. My members live and I go back and forth all the time to Florida. Anyway, on the plane, I looked out at that incredible, beautiful vista of clouds. And I was feeling very emotional and I I just said the question to my mother uh, is 
there any distance where you are for me? I could hear her voice, her beautiful Australian, very distinctive voice, not a vague, unusual voice that you aren't sure who's talking to you, but it was really clearly her. It was in my mind, but it felt also like it was audible. And she said, not, there's no distance the way you experience it. And she said how she could drop into somebody's uh, state of consciousness, like you might drop into visit someone in a neighborhood. Anyway, from that first statement, I just started asking questions and receiving these answers immediately. And the main thing she pointed out in that conversation was, you are not alone. You are not even functioning as one person. Nobody is, for you are a member of a team, a spiritual team, as close to you as breathing. So I began, I got out a piece of paper and I just started writing down everything I was asking and, and her answers. And a lot of it was personal at that, at that point for that hour and a half plane ride. It was more my own personal experience of mm -hmm. her. But then it started to branch into more universal concepts about where she was, about how she was, about, and as much of, about why we're here and the purpose of our lives as, as about the other side. And I thought this would be a personal experience, but when I got off the plane, it continued. And it actually continued for about a year and a half, very intensely. Mm -hmm. I wrote the first book that she dictated uh, in three weeks, book one. And then the rest, it was all handwritten because it just was part of the process. And then had to be typed up. So the rest came and I was able to release them, you know, throughout the, the next few years. But when I read this material, um, I really can't believe it myself. It's so far beyond anything that I personally would be able to, to write or even speak. That's why I feel like I'm just a person talking about the books unless I read from them directly. Mm -hmm. The language, the kinds of concepts that I had never been aware of. And many people I talk to who study for many years about spiritual concepts have never been aware of. It was like a layer, then another layer, then another layer. In book one, it was an experience of just my mother. It was completely her voice. Mm -hmm. And then by the rest of the other, and she said, that's book one at the end of it. But with the other books, it, it felt like I had other connections, that, that there was a team. And this team, some had, were more uh, scientific and some were more medical, some were more playful and creative. And there were different, almost different energies. And the chapters kind of reflect that. Mm -hmm. It always reflects her, but you can feel sort of in beyond the team where it goes into almost like a quantum physics type uh, kind of information in some of those chapters. There's different, different expertise. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how the books came to be. Um, do you want to ask me something else about that before I proceed? Or? 
Well, no, I think uh, I think you did a really good job of telling us kind of how they came to be, and you know, it's interesting because I you and I have done a book study together before in the books, and you you said even at the time you said, well, I'm just a student of the books that that they that they channeled that you channeled them, but I, I love the, the story also about you writing the poetry, you know, as a child that this is stuff that you were channeling at the time, and your mother yeah. having this wisdom, and the two of you working at a team as a team was just perfect for what the concept is, you know, of the of the whole book and. Uh, the thing I was uh, that fascinates me about it, and I love the name, even the team, because we think we we think, okay, what's the purpose of our life? Well, we think, well, we come here for individual growth, and then sometimes we hear, well, we we have spirit guides, we have a team of people here, but they're all here to kind of support us. But in this concept, at least I got out of the books, is that we're actually all part of a a team. We're not even really individuals. Yeah, book one, it really. It's so amazing to me how she describes that um, we are representatives of our team. Mm-hmm. That, that to me, that's such a meaningful concept uh, about how we how to live our lives. You know, and she says if you you think of a business or a, a person going to a conference, a business conference, that. Before they go, they stand up as the representative, the, the person who's speaking at that conference. But before they go, they're prepared by an entire team of people, you know, uh, backstage or back home in the conference room. And they're meetings and they're brainstorming and they're troubleshooting. And this kind of thing is done before that person speaks. So. Uh, and then and then you return to your team and you debrief them. Mm-hmm. You tell them, well, I went to the conference. This is what went right. This is what I could have done this better. Or I found out we really need to work on this. Mm-hmm. And everybody vicariously absorbs that information. Of course, some of our teammates are right here with us physically by our side and, and some are on the other side. And we exchange positions. When we pass away, we work from the other side. The work is still the same. We're just doing it from the different location. Yeah. And others enter here and they have their physical experience and they do their work as well. But all of that is absorbed by our team. And in that way, all the wisdom is leveraged so that everybody doesn't have to do everything or experience everything or incarnate, incarnate to do and experience every single thing. Um, you can learn vicariously. And you can absorb if you're just like we absorb from one another yeah. and we take that information and we, and we incorporate it into our lives. What you've gone through, I am learning from what mm-hmm. I've gone through. You're learning from, mm-hmm. we don't have to do exactly the same thing to get that um, the impact of it. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, I'm testing out a new feature. I'd love to get your feedback on it. It's called Fan Mail, and you can send me a message right from the show notes of the podcast. So look for the link that says send me a text. You can ask a question for a future podcast. You can suggest a guest or just give me any feedback you want. Just remember, it is one way I can't text you back, and I will not have your name, your email address, or your phone number unless you include it in the message. Let me know what you think. I've seen this concepts kind of hinted at in other places, but 
never I think as fully developed as they are in, in the books that you've written. This idea that we can share information. Um, and I think it kind of explains for me, like one of the mysteries of, of, is like reincarnation. We talk about, do we come back over and over again? And what's the point of it? And I think, I think this kind of helped us explain some of that, that we don't necessarily come back as the same person because we're all part of this, this larger group. Right. And yeah, she says a lot about reincarnation. She said, there's a lot more to it Mm -hmm. than just you, your full soul comes, has experiences, leaves, comes back with karma, has experience. It's not like that. Right. It's much more, uh, it's much more connected to, to your team. And it's also connected to the fact and this is so exciting and important to me that just like the human brain has all these segments to it, that is to, our brain right now, we are doing many, many, many things at the same time. You know, I mean, we have a part of our brain that's handling our breathing and heartbeat that we don't even regulate consciously that mm-hmm. happens on its own. We have a part of our brain that's thinking about the technology. We have a part of our brain this mathematical part and a language part. You have all these parts to your brain. And it's explained in the books that it's like that for the soul. We have all these segments or aspects to the soul. And when we come, when the body, when the body is born, and it's so important to, to think about with our children or our loved ones who have died, that they are so much more than just the child or the person that we knew them as, that they are this infinite soul who used this body for a time, for a purpose. And only certain aspects of the soul come in with the body, are connected to the body. It's just like when you walk into a, a math class in college, your math part of your brain is engaged, but the other parts of your brain are doing all kinds of other things. Mm-hmm. The same thing happens with the soul. And so when the body dies, that aspect completed that work with that life, but it may be another aspect entirely that comes back for another life. And all that information of that aspect goes back to your full self. There's a chapter called The Rest of You. Mm-hmm. And it says it's like you're sitting on the bank of bank of a river and you've got your foot, you've got your toes in the water. But the rest of you is up on the bank. The rest of you is is on the other side. And only part of you is extended down into the physical world. So each of us is so much more than what is even here at this time. I know I got off on the tangent, but we were talking about, um, oh, reincarnation. Mm -hmm. So it's not our full self that comes in. So even if we reincarnate, it isn't the full self. It's another aspect that needs to do something else this time. And we we trade off with our teammates. it just it gives the example in the book if if a really strong person is present, they're going to pick up two of those heavy suitcases and let the 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 child or the weaker one, you know, carry the rolling suitcase. So we may come into a lifetime and we may take on a great deal of uh, uh, if you want to call it burden, 
difficulty, challenge. And we may do that for a teammate who's weaker or who needs to rest. So we're all doing this, uh, and it's much more than just, you know, live, die, come back with karma. It's not as personal as, as all that. And we, do, and we do it for others. We take on things for others um, that might not even be our own. And another person's difficulty, another person's karma is our opportunity for compassion. Yeah, yeah, that's, you know? that, that's another really, uh, I think, interesting concept because... Again, we think of ourselves so individualistically and we think, well, th- how does this affect me? You know, my illness, my, my, my burden, the thing that I'm carrying, but it may not be for us personally. It may be for the other person or for our caregiver, for example. Yes, yes. Um, you know, she constantly refers to the lookout tower of the soul. She said, if you can take time every day in your meditation or even just in your thought, just sitting and thinking and, you know, let your thoughts go into the lookout tower of the soul like you're going up in an airplane. It's just so much vaster, wider, broader, bigger than just our, you know, um, I feel drawn right now to, to, to read, uh, to read a few things here. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a chapter in book three called where relationships abide. Mm -hmm. And it says here, as you touch speak to or look at one another, you assume that you're interacting through your bodies. However, if the soul were not present with the body, you would have no awareness of this interaction. The true interaction is in a realm that is free of the body. It is an interaction that precedes and goes beyond death. So this is what make, makes our relationships eternal. Where do relationships abide? They abide in the realm of the soul. This is not only so when a body has died. It is true when both bodies are still alive. Mm. This is because the relationship doesn't ever dwell in your bodies in the first place. In both death and life, your relationship dwells in the soul. Yeah. So you and I would not be having this conversation if our souls were not in connection right now. Yeah. And if our souls did not connect right now, this conversation would end instantly. grieve. It says here, it is not to negate the authentic pain that is felt when a death occurs. Mm -hmm. The physical body interprets the loss of another body as a great absence. And this is to be expected. 
But when we go through grief, try to remember and say to yourself, I know that my body and all its accompanying senses deeply miss it, that in the place where our true relationship resides, everything continues as before. It's not a matter of waiting until you meet again. It is a matter of knowing there has been no interruption in the loving flow of the true relationship in the first place. Yeah. I, I absolutely love that part, you know, and, and I think you, you combine that with the fact, as you said earlier, that when we come here, it's only a small part of us that's here, that most of us is still, still, I call it home. Most of us is still back home. Yeah. So when we think yeah. of our loved ones, you know, they're, the, they're not missing us at all because we're still there with them. Uh, we're just still here yes. on the, on the mission for a little while longer, you know, fulfilling our role until we drop the body and, and are fully back, back at home. Right. Yeah. In fact, you, you just said what the very next paragraph said, and I know you've read the books and yeah. And it, it points out here, um, the love you have with your friends and family members has not died with their forms, nor does it only live on in a memory. It's still growing and expanding. The connection you had while they were here isn't being expressed through a body that walks alongside yours, but it's every bit as interactive and dynamic as it ever was. You continue to share hobbies together, learn new things together, laugh, create, make plans together as you did when you were both in the body. Mm -hmm. Souls can recreate earthly experiences if they wish. So you continue to go fishing with your grandfather on that beautiful lake, bake cookies with your aunt, swing your child on their favorite swing, embrace your spouse, and so forth. There's just so much more of us than is here on the earth. And there's so much more of our loved one on the other side who, who has passed. Mm -hmm. And we are continuing our lives together. And what you said, we're doing our, assign our assignment. This aspect of us that is with this body right now has an assignment to complete. And our bodies miss their bodies. But our soul, our souls are together. Yeah. And I think I find it to be a, a very uh, profound and comforting concept that, and I, I love the way you said that our bodies miss their bodies, but our souls are still, still together. And we can, we can learn while we're here to tap into that higher self a little bit and at least reduce that, that missing part of it. Yeah. You know, um, I sat by my husband when he took his last breath. I sat with one mother. I have not lost a child. And as a mother, I can't fathom that, that kind of loss. Mm -hmm. But I've, I've, I have friends who have lost their children. Mm -hmm. I have family members who have experienced that loss of a child. And even by murder, by drugs, by suicide, I have close people in my life who have died that way. Mm -hmm. So I understand when, and I've learned when that wave of pain comes to just say, oh, my senses miss their physical senses. My body misses their body. Mm -hmm. 
and I, I acknowledge I don't try to, to squelch it or pretend or, or push it away. But I try as soon as I can to move my consciousness to the place where we are together. Yeah, yeah. Because we join them the most. You know, it, it, it's sort of like they're in the next room. They're up the stairs. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And we join them to stay in the basement. So that's really the best thing that we can do is to, through meditation and through thought, through service to others like you're doing, because we teach what we learn. We yeah. learn what we teach. Exactly. Uh, say, okay, my body misses their body that my body's not going to last forever either. Right. So I don't want to put all my, my focus on what my body feels and what my senses need. You know, I want to work from, from the soul viewpoint as much as I can. Yeah. And that's, and that's yeah. the book that they think they do a really good job, at least for me of lifting me to the higher perspective, that lookout tower, and I remember another analogy in the book is like, yeah. we're, we're on a mission and some of us are down in the valley and some of us are scouts, you know, up, up in the upper levels. And we, and we take turns going back and forth. And right now I happen to be on point, you know, I happen to be down, yeah. down there in the trenches, but to remember that there is always that higher perspective. And I hear so many people in grief saying, I will never see them again. And I, it just breaks my heart every time I hear someone utter those words, I will never see them again. Um, because while it's true physically, we won't see them with our bodies again. We will see them again. And it's always, I think for me, I'm always having to remind myself through, like you said, through meditation, through prayer, through service to others, through teaching this, which I do, you know, every day that I got to keep that higher perspective. We'll get back to grief to growth in just a few seconds. Did you know that Brian is an author and a life coach? If you're grieving or know someone who is grieving, His book, Grief to Growth, is a best-selling, easy-to-read book that might help you or someone you know. People work with Brian as a life coach to break through barriers and live their best lives. You can find out more about Brian and what he offers at www.grieftogrowth.com, www.grief2growth.com, or text GROWTH, G-R-O-W-T-H, to 31996. If you'd like to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash grief to growth, www.patreon.com slash G-R-I-E-F, the number two, G-R-O-W-T-H, to make a financial contribution. And now, back to grief to growth. Right. And you know... Uh, there's another concept and it's in book two called the vibrational spheres. Do you remember that that one? I love that. Yes. I think it helps when, when we have lost a loved one to uh, violence or to uh, suicide Mm -hmm. or drugs, uh, things of that nature, you know, not illness is, is one thing, 
that we grapple with. But when these kinds of things happen, it, it really turned the lights on for me when that chapter came through. Because mm-hmm. we're told that, that all throughout the universe, there are these enormous spheres that we're all contributing to with our thoughts, our actions. I mean, every hateful, angry thought or word I've ever spoken has contributed to a sphere of that kind of energy. And every loving, kind, forgiving, generous thing I've ever done has contributed to that ball of energy, if you want to think of it that way, of bubbles everywhere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we tap into a particular sphere. And what happens when we have overwhelming rage that turns into violence? Because I'm sure some of your uh, viewers have lost one to violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, my daughter's my daughter's uh, boyfriend was shot in a home of invasion. Mm. Um, you know, a young man mm. just sitting there on his couch. Mm. Um, so what happens when these people are overtaken by these terrible, violent urges, or if they tap into drugs and they can't pull out of it. We've all had loved ones in our family and circle of friends mm-hmm. who worked hard, went to rehab, did everything they could to pull out of that, that magnetic pull of the, of the drug. And so what is really happening uh, is that state of rage is is tapping into not only his or her own rage but the rage throughout the eons of time that people have contributed when people do these horrendous things they are just awash in this magnetic pull to these spheres of that kind of energy Mm -hmm. just like when people do superhuman things they go in and pull a car off somebody's body they lift an entire car by themselves they're tapping into the heroicism the bravery the courage the strength all those who have come before them. And this has helped me with forgiveness of myself for things I've done that I, you know, you look back and you think, how could I have said that? How could I have done that? Well, we've been in touch with a ball of energy that that was more powerful than even what we were even feeling at the time. Mm -hmm. And those people who are committing those crimes or cannot pull free have been uh, overtaken like a tidal wave yeah. by something bigger than and more difficult, dark than themselves. And it's helped me with forgiveness for myself and it's helped me with forgiveness for others because we're always contributing something 24 yeah. 7. We're contributing something to these spheres. Mm-hmm. There's no way to not be contributing because we're creative beings, we're always creating with our words, with our thoughts, with our deeds, we're creating, and we're putting this energy into these. So every, uh, I, it, it helps me to think that I'm helping a teammate and I'm helping my team to become more aligned with those spheres of love and kindness and forgiveness. Every time I do it, I give it to them. And yeah. I'm also, everything in those spheres are, is available for other people to pull from. Every yeah. time you heal from a terrible trauma or heal from a, a, a grudge or heal from a, an anger, all that healing is put into these spheres and then people who need healing can pull from it. 
You know, it's mm-hmm. like a body of water that you drink from and mm-hmm. you pour into all the time. And, and it's there for everybody else. Yeah. So it helps me work harder. It helps me work harder because I know it's being given to others. Yeah, I, that's amazing to me. And and uh, it's funny, as we're having this conversation, I keep I, I'm reminded how much these books have influenced me because I, I, like I said, I've read them over and over again. But that vibrational spheres thing uh, is really important. We, we I think we tend to think of ourselves so individualistically. I'm responsible for my own actions. It's my life. What am I here to learn? You know, things like that. But, you know, you talk about the spheres. It just happened to me just this morning. I mean, someone said something that really triggered a lot of anger in me. And I was like, you know, and I was like, I I wanted to react. And so I just went up to my bedroom and I was like, I'm just going to meditate. And I just, I let it go. And I just went to a different place um, because I decided not to tap into that, into that anger and to try to get back at that person who had done that thing to me. Um, So that, that concept of being able to say, no, I'm not going to tap into that. I'm going to tap into this instead. It's, I think, a very important thing for us yeah. to have. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi there. I'm really excited to tell you about my latest ebook. It's four lessons that you can learn from the near death experience without going through all the trouble of dying to learn them. I've been studying NDEs for several years now. I am completely convinced that not only are they 100% real, but that there's some very universal wisdom that we can get from the near-death experience. And I've distilled that down in this book into four short lessons. And I've also given you all the reasons why I believe the NDEs are absolutely real. So go to www.grieftogrowth.com slash NDE lessons to pick it up for free www.grief2growth.com slash NDE lessons. I hope you enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, it's a choice. It, it, I was telling somebody the other day in my family who was really, really angry about something. And I mm-hmm. said, you know, you can just play this out all the way on, on the anger route or you can reframe it. I said, think of it as a, a wild stallion riding up to you, snorting and pawing and neighing. And you can either observe that or you can jump on his back and take off with him. Mm-hmm. You know, this wild. His, um, we really, really have the opportunity to choose. And it, it's incredible how strong and empowered you feel when you do what you did this morning. I mean, you took control. You had to feel very powerful to say, I'm going to choose this. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to connect with a different vibrational sphere. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the ultimate power. There's a chapter called who's in charge here. Do Mm -hmm. you remember that one? Yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, in the Bible, it talks about Satan, get behind me. They have that uh, Mm -hmm. line from Jesus, Satan, get behind me. And it's sort of paralleled on that. So we want to lead with the soul. So we say to our body that might be lazy or might, who knows, want to get drunk. Mm -hmm. We say to our emotions that might want to just go off on a rant or a rage. We say to our, our body and our, our emotions and our mind that wants to 
carry on with all kinds of thoughts that are only going to take us to the spiral downward. We know it, you know. We have to say, get behind me. I appreciate you, body, for what you offer, but I, the soul, I am in charge. Get behind mm -hmm. me. I appreciate you, emotions, but you will serve me. I am the soul, and you will serve me. Yeah. And the same thing to the mind. Right. So what you did this morning is, is you did that. You said, I'm leading with the soul, and you guys get behind me. I'm in charge here. I mean, we, this, is, this is how we spare ourselves and so many other people uh, pain and judgment mm -hmm. because the judgment is like sticky glue. It sticks us to those situations and those people that, that we are condemning. The very ones we're condemning, we're sticking ourselves to them. Quite literally. Right, right. Yeah. So you um you told me before you started you had some passages highlighted that you wanted to bring out um, to help people specifically. Um, I have a lot of listeners like myself who have had children transition, and it's it's a difficult thing. And you, you already you already talked about one of those things, right? We're still with our children, and that helps me tremendously to think of my daughter, you know, of, of still being with her and her still being with me, that she could still communicate with me, and I can I can communicate with her to a certain amount. But you and your mother still have a you know a great relationship. So, uh, what else would you like to share with us as far as that goes? Um, I feel like I've kind of talked about a lot of it, but I'm mm -hmm. gonna I will turn here and see where I'm led. Um, there's a chapter called reciprocal influences. Okay, mm -hmm. we often have this thought. And it's in book four a lot, too. We have this thought that I'm, quote, down here. And yes. I'm reaching up, right? Mm -hmm. And they're up there. And they can't reach down here. But it says, uh, you are not only calling out for upliftment, not only reaching out with yearning, not only seeking to become more useful and enlightened, you are making an offering. We are not only assisting you, you are assisting us. Yeah. We are all partners in the plan, working from different locations, but with one vision. Our influence upon one another is reciprocal. When you, um, when you commune with us in any form, and these forms are endless, music, writing, dance, meditation, prayer, laughter, contemplation, appreciation, so much more. When you commune with us in any form, then you are giving as well as receiving. When errors are made, we all learn. Yeah. There's no condemnation, condemnation of an error. That's so important. Please understand this is a two-way creation, a two-way mission, a two-way flow, which links up with other teams to form a zillion-way creation, mission, and flow. Um, they, 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 they can't do, say, do it all for us just mm -hmm. because... They may have a higher perspective 
Like when you're in the lookout tower, you can look down and go, watch out over there. I see this. I see right. that. You right. know, because the person on the ground can't quite see it. So we want to keep our, our intuition open uh, to our loved ones who have passed and to our team, to our mm-hmm. teammates, because they have this big, broad perspective and they can guide us. And a big part of being guided is, is I want to say listening, but listening because we're being flexible. If, if we are rigid in, I've, it's got to be this way, I've got to do it this way, that person has to do this for me in this way, this has to happen. We're not, we're not being open to the many, many, many possibilities and the many ways things can be done. Yeah. So when we listen, let's be flexible. Let's be willing to even imagine we lose completely or we give up that intended goal. Maybe that that rigidness is keeping us from what I hope I'm saying that right. We've got to have some detachment from all these things and situations and circumstances in our life. Sure. Some detachment. Well, we have a preferred outcome, but it's from a limited perspective. And I think it's a matter of having the trust that the higher good will be done, even if it's not what we want in terms of where we are right now. At least that's how it is for me. You know, I've had to accept things that don't seem like they fit into to my plan for my ego, for my, my body's perspective, but I have to trust that the, the, the higher good is, is being done. But I really love you know, the way you describe the team, because again, I think this is an important thing for me. I've heard people say, Oh, we've got, we've got guides, we've got angels and they're there. They've got this super, you know, high perspective and they're just there to serve us as we're here down, you know, doing, doing our thing. And, it's really, I love the way you talk. It's reciprocal. It's two ways. What I'm doing is actually benefiting them as well. And they're the same as I am. They just happen to be in a different place right now. And at some point we'll, we'll switch and we'll be, you know, in the high point and they'll be down here in the trenches. That's right. Yes. And we help them by, we help them when we lift our, our, ourselves up. We help them when we laugh. We help them when we uh, feel joy again. Mm-hmm. We help them when we, um, they can feel those kinds of things from us. Yeah, it, It's a real gift, just like it would be. I, I mean, I was told to put ourselves in their shoes. Mm-hmm. If we had this, if we had departed the body just now, think of your spouse, your other children, your friends, your close whoever is important in your life, mm-hmm. what would you, what would help you the most from them? It would be to see them take what you had planted in them, take what you had given and go forth with it, carry mm-hmm. the torch, carry the torch. Um, and that's what I have marked here. If I can find it mm-hmm. uh, is about carrying the torch. There's so much we can do when somebody leaves to build 
because we're all building upon each other. We're all standing on the shoulders of everybody that ever went before in history. I'm talking eons of time. Right. We People get real cocky and think, oh, I've done this. I've done that. <laughs> Until... Until this was invented, we couldn't do this. Right. You know, until those roads were paved, we couldn't drive to to connect with. So many of the things we think we're doing, we're, we're built on so many people. We mm-hmm. shouldn't get too uh, egotistical about it, you know. Um, it says here about carrying the torch. Having trouble finding exactly what it is, but it's important. Mm-hmm. If a teammate dies without completing a portion of his or her mission, you can fulfill it for them if your commitment is great enough to carry you through. This is the impetus behind the drive to do something in memory of someone, whether it's establishing a foundation in their name or fulfilling a dream that person had but never got to live. If someone transitions to the other side, and recognizes something important they had intended to accomplish but didn't. Their yearning to make it right is great. From their higher perspective, they survey the situation and assess which of their teammates might be in a position to complete the work. If they sense that you are willing and able, they might reach out to you in an effort to impinge a vision of this possibility on your mind. So, yeah, I, I I can really relate to that, and it's interesting because I, I do. I talk to a lot of parents, and we feel like our children have left us with a with a mission, um, something for us to, to go forward with. And I, and what you said earlier about about grief and about what the other person on the other side wants for us, I think, is extremely important as well. Because again, when it's, when it, when your child draw, passes before you, sometimes we don't feel like being here. Yeah. And, and we are, we are like, I'm going to be sad for the rest of my life. This is just, you know, this is it. I'm done. I remember, right. I remember the moment that Shana passed, you know, I was told in the hospital that she had passed. I thought that's it. My life is over. You know, it'll never be the same. Um, and it won't be the same, but it doesn't mean that your life is over, over. And, and it, and it would not be fair. And they would not want us to just lay down and give up. You know, we, that's not what, that's right. what we're here to do. And so the people that are, are here behind them, this is what, like I said, what I love about these books. It's like, I'm not just living for myself. I'm living for the other people that are here physically with me. I'm here for the people that have gone ahead of me, for the people that I don't even remember that I've lived other lifetimes with before. So it's not about me. It's about, it's about us. It's about we. And I think that's a, a very powerful thing, at least for me, in terms of lifting me out of what I was going through. Right. Right. And knowing, too, that our loved one wanted to be here, even if they died before they had wanted. Mm-hmm. We, we do have the gift of life. I know clearly uh, three years ago, I was shown in a dream that I was going to die. And... I protested. I really did. Mm. And it's a long story, so I'm not going to tell it now. But a series of events occurred. And I saw, I had a vision of these angels on the porch of a 
of a church when I was driving by and I paused just enough to look because I couldn't believe my eyes. And in that instant, I didn't have the accident. The per- I, I slowed down enough where the person mm. missed me by a hair and they would have come right through the driver's side. Oh, wow. So I realized from the two dreams I'd had that I was going to die. And then a second one where I was protesting, I didn't want to die. And I had a list of things on a piece of paper. I was arguing my case that I had to finish. Yeah. And then, then this event occurred two weeks later. I realized I, I really am here um, because for some reason, I, I, we figured out that I should stay for a while. Mm. So this was only a few years ago. And I know some of the things that were on the list, but I don't remember all of them. Hmm. So I've been steadily doing these things. And I'm wondering, you know, I mean, how many more on the list? I don't know. Yeah. But I have the gift of life. Yeah. And I don't want to to lie down in grief. Yeah. And 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 not fulfill it and not see it through. Um, they would want those that I've have gone on before me. They would want me to to fill it. And when I go back and I join them again, I want to come back to this conference with some concrete uh, accomplishments and, and wisdom, because it isn't the things, it isn't the, the, the money or the, the success or the things that we get or do, but right. it is the wisdom we right. gain and we give to others. We gain and we share, we gain and we share. With humility, mm-hmm. that is what we go back with. There's a chapter called Naked, where my mother describes how what it was like for her to die and how you leave naked. You leave, you come naked, you leave naked, mm-hmm. and you have only, this is what you do. You take all the love that you have received, truly received from others with mm-hmm. you, without strings attached, true love that you've received, mm-hmm. and all the love you've given unconditionally with strings not attached. That's what you take with you. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, so we you... do have this life. We have it. Mm-hmm. And we can offer it to our loved one. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that's the way I try to think of it now. And I, the way I look at it is, you know, uh, first of all, it's not very long. Once we once we realize that we are a soul and and we you know this is this is just a very short period of time and we're none of us has to be here forever so while we're here we need to make the most of it and I know my daughter very well and I know that if I don't that she's going to give me a hard time so she's my motivation that's why she's always in my background when I do these podcasts because I, yeah. she's always over my shoulder reminding me yeah. this is, this is our deal this is what we signed up for you you agreed to do this. And, you know, you, you thought you could handle it. So let's see what, you know, what happens. Well, and we never want to minimize uh, the pain that, mm. that we, we go through. I just helped uh, someone write a memoir. And um, when she's ready to release it, I hope it may be somebody you'd like to interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have written this book together. And it, it is about what she has gone through in the, her son being shot. Mm. And 
um, what she's learned, uh, beautiful, beautiful insights and things that she's, but, but it really outlines the pain. Yeah. And I think that's very important to acknowledge. It is. It is. Uh, not, not to brush it aside. Um, it truly is, you know, what it is. I think okay, okay. what you said, Frankie, is really, really important. The the pain is very real. And and I hear people, what I call spiritual bypassing, and they'll say, well, it's all okay. We don't need to feel any human emotions. And I never, ever advocate that. I say, feel all the feelings. That's why we're here too. We're here to feel yeah. those feelings. And, we're, and we are going to feel loss and our bodies are going to miss them. But we're both human and spirit at the same time. And we have to learn to make that shift before that overwhelms us and overtakes us and we get stuck down here thinking yeah. this is it it's all over. So we need to be able to learn to, to live here and to deal with the things of this earth and, and to enjoy our lives and embrace them. But also when we get too stuck here down here to make that shift and just say, it's all going to be okay. It's all okay. Even right now I can choose how I react to this. I may not like the situation, but I can choose how I respond. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, uh, more here about, uh, I'm going to read a little more. It says here, becoming truly aware that your life was pre-planned with your team around spiritual agreements Mm -hmm. will refine your sense of the legacy, the legacy you're creating. Now, I want to say about that, that we do not, that, that we come here with general goals and general ideal, ideas, and we adjust them as we go along. It's not all writ- written in stone, can't change it. And all the things that happen are not always pre-planned. Mm-hmm. So there isn't always the intention of, uh, of a certain event mm-hmm. occurring a certain way. Many things can occur to influence that. But from my perspective on the other side, this being stated by my mother, Mm -hmm. I can see how when a soul departs a body, it leaves behind a trail of influence. As it streaks through the sky, this trail contains the quality of the work completed on the earth, which can range from minimal digital vibratory after death and are clearly visible to the departed soul and teammates. So it, it, it says throughout the books, someone can live five minutes and have in, incredible and live a hundred years and have made very little contribution mm-hmm. to others. The value of a life is not determined by its length, and it's certainly not determined by... Uh, my thought just went away. I can't, I can't finish it, that sentence. But well, it, it isn't always the big, great things that right. have impacted the world. Yeah. Tiny, small moments can can be put 
be an offering into that vibrational sphere of love. The tiniest moment can have great impact and have great energy that, that is residual, that stays here, that has lingering power that stays with people. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, uh, that's so profound because, you know, we do tend to think we, we measure life by the length, you know, how long, can, how long can I be here? How long? Can I, but when people have near death experiences, one of the lessons I've learned from studying those is that it's usually the small things that they really pick up on in their life reviews. It's the, it's the smiling at a stranger. It's the, you know, it's letting someone go in front of you. It's, it's asking someone how they're doing. Um, I recently was talking with a young lady who her mother passed away and she's walking down the street and she's just sobbing and a stranger stops her and asks her, you know, are you okay? And she says, yes, I am. And the stranger goes, no, really, are you okay? And they struck up a conversation and it turns out this person had her mother had passed away also when she was young and they had this conversation it ended up changing this other woman's life. And it was because a stranger stopped her on the street and said, are you okay? And I, and I imagine yeah. when that woman has her life review, She's going to have an idea of how big of an impact that moment had on that young girl. That's right. And we're told that we can have teammates that activate our spiritual DNA by a brief encountering us briefly in our life. Hmm. Um, just like our physical DNA gets activated, like a, as you form from an embryo and into, a into a human being, certain things have to happen along the way to activate certain parts of the DNA to, to trigger this, create this organ, make this happen. This uh, hormone has to be secreted and so forth. So, mm -hmm. and then all throughout our life, people that we encounter uh, activate latent talents or wow. hidden abilities. Wow. So emotionally, spiritually, this happens too, where we encounter a teammate who was there for that purpose. And we can even encounter another aspect of our own selves mm. that is associated because there may be certain aspects of your soul that are associated with Brian, but other aspects may be associated with a totally different person that is yeah. right here on this earth. And you may encounter yourself. A part of you can reach out and help another part of you. Yeah, that, that's a really deep concept. And that's, that's one of the things, that's why I have to read the book over and over again, because it gets, it gets really complicated. There are different aspects of myself that could be in other bodies. We are all part of a team. And then you, in some, one of the books, you even talk about leagues. So we are, we're in teams and the teams are on teams that, that form, you know, these leagues. So yes. and the we, leagues are part of, I think it's legions. The other yeah. word is used, legions. And then, but, it, but in that part where it tells all that, it's in beyond the team. It's saying, don't get caught up in the terminology that these are, these are words given to us so our human brain can mm -hmm. get it all. But really, this team belonging to the leagues, belonging to the legions, and on and on and on, it's because everything is one. Right. Because right. ultimately, you know, for our own purposes here, just like we talk about cells in the body, but the body is one. Right. For our own purposes, these teams exist for our, our functioning in this way. Right. But really, if you go far enough up, it's all one. It's all one. 
Yeah, exactly. I, I think the body analogy is a really good one because um, even when we look at people on other teams, they're not they're not competitive with us. They're just different parts of the body. Yes, with different purposes and gifts. Right. And and even in this lifetime, if if you have always thought, "Gosh, I wish I could go do so and so across over in India," I wish I could go. I used to be this way when I was young. I wish I could just go you know, serve the poor in India, but Mm -hmm. I have four daughters here at home. You know, I'm not leaving to go serve the poor. Actually, it can be that part of my team Mm -hmm. is doing that work, or even another aspect of me is doing that work. And that's why I'm drawn to that. I'm drawn to that. Right. I don't have to go do it. I need to do what's before me. You know, we bloom where we're planted and we serve where we are. Now, we might get drawn to do some something across the world. I'm not saying that won't happen, but I'm just saying that's where some of those feelings come from, or it could be another life that we remember doing that. But, but we don't want to neglect our responsibilities, you know, that we have before us. Yes. I, well, what you said, I use it all the time. I tell people you have, you grow where you're planted. You know, we are, we are, we could, you can do what you can do here. You don't have to go across the world and serve the poor. There's something that you can do right where you are, whether it's, it could be being a mother to your four daughters. People ask me like, what's my life purpose? I'm like, being a mother is an extremely important life purpose. Don't ever, you know, sell short where you are right now. And the people that are just around you, you know, serve them and and grow yourself and you will benefit your team. And, and once we cross back over, I believe we pick up all those other experiences that we didn't have when we were physically in the body. We just, we become reconnected with those. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to send you, I'm going to email you a poem that maybe you could put up on the screen at the end. Sure. Uh, or share with people called mm-hmm. Carry, Carry Your Torch, which mm. I wrote I wrote for the young man who was killed in the home invasion. Wow, um, okay. And I think it, it could mean a lot to, to, to your people, to your listeners. Yeah, I'd be glad to do that. Um, okay, well. I feel like I want to I want to I want to mention something about suicide. Okay. I feel drawn to mention suicide because we have had many lives and we've had many deaths. And we do not define a person's life by the way they died. Mm-hmm. That's very important to remember, whether it's illness, accident, suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, if we've had many lives, we may also have had experiences of suicide ourselves. Yeah. And there are some people who live their whole lives and never live fully. And then there are some people who live 25 years and have the richness of life and growth far beyond what that person lived who lived a long life. Yes, absolutely. So it's so important not to define a person's, the value of a person or their life by the way they died. Yeah. I think that's extremely, extremely important um, because it, I don't think it matters, you know, how we, how we transition. We, we all transition at some point. And I, I love what you just said. And I was, uh, I, I talked to a lot of parents again, who parent, whose children have passed early. And uh, it's interesting because it seems like a lot of times those children had concentrated, I, I call it concentrated times with their parents. They seem to value that time more. A lot of them, not all of them, of course, but I was talking to a guy who happened to, you know, he retired early so he could spend time with his son. 
having no idea that just seven years later, his son was, was going to transition. But looking back on it now, it's like, I just had such a great time with him being home when he came home from school and doing all these things I wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. My daughter, we homeschooled Shana for, for um, eight, eight years, about eight years. Yeah, she went to school for like just a year, just two years to public school. But we homeschooled her. And I worked from home. My wife worked from home. So we yeah. just had such a great, you know, in those 15 years that she was here, I feel like we had as much time as some people would have had in 45 yeah. or 50 years with their kids. So it's not a matter of the length of time. It's it's what you put into it. Yes. Yeah. Talk again. <laughs> um, I do want to say that if people, um, if people do read the books and have questions, they can email me with their questions. And if they want to meet with me by this way, Zoom or Skype or something, um, to let me know. Yeah, that and sounds. I'll be happy to to help them explore some of these um, concepts. Well, I'll put your I put your email address in the show notes so people can can see can look okay. you up there. I want to thank you, uh, Frankie, for for doing this. It's really been because um, I've been wanting to do this for a long time. I I, I can't not say enough good things about the books. Um, like I said, I've read them multiple times. I, I feel like people might feel like I'm pushing them, but I really am. I really am a big fan of, of the books and of, of the work you and your mother have done together. So I appreciate it very much. She has, her her books have, have there's about a hundred insights in the four books and they've helped thousands of people. Yeah. And uh, I'm one of them. Yeah. I'm a, they changed my life. They changed me in my essence. Uh, I can't even put into words how much, how much this information has changed me as a human being for the better. Yeah. I had a lot of growing to do. I had a lot of anger and things like that to release mm-hmm. and they blessed me. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's another story that they blessed me. Yeah. They, uh, they healed me. They healed me. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate I you. They sh- can do the same for this. Yeah, well, I'm sure they have and they will. And I, I will do everything I can to make sure everybody that I know reads the books. Um, so again, Frankie, I want to thank you for being here uh, this afternoon and uh, have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it greatly. I like to read the poem that Frankie mentioned during our interview. It's called Carry the Torch. It's by Francis Key. It's written in memory of Ali Eskandarian and his friends who lost their lives in a senseless shooting in Brooklyn, New York. When tragedy strikes and loved ones have passed, there's only one thing you can do. Carry the torch they can no longer lift. Carry the torch on through. Finish their plan, the one that they started. Honor their vision, their hopes, and their dreams. Walk in the steps they gave you to follow. Harvest the wisdom they planted as seeds. What did they teach you through sorrows and joys? What did they hope they could give to the world? What do they want to achieve in their lifetime? These are the treasures they've left you. They're pearls. What is it they left undiscovered, undone? How can you finish the work they've begun? With deeds that are noble and work that is kind, you can build in a legacy if you live by their light. For friends, we are one, with our torches held high. When one of us falls, another must rise. To finish the course, to shelter the light. Till the day of our passing, when again we'll unite. Yes, when tragedy strikes and loved ones have passed, there's only one thing you can do. Carry the torch they can no longer lift. Carry their torch on through. Well, I hope you enjoyed the episode. I want to make it really easy for you to reach me. 
So just send me a text to 31996 and simply text the word growth, G-R-O-W-T-H. In fact, you can right now just say, hey, Siri, send a message to 31996. And when Siri asks you what you want to send, just say growth. You can do the same thing with OK Google. Thanks a lot. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to Grief to Growth. Brian hopes that you find this episode helpful and will come back for future episodes. Brian's best-selling book, Grief to Growth, Planted Not Buried, is a great resource for anyone who is coping with grief or knows someone who is. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to support it, there are three things you can do to help. The first is to share the podcast with someone that you think it will help. The second is to go to iTunes, rate, and review the episode. The third way you can support the podcast is by becoming a patron. Head over to www.patreon.com slash grief to growth. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash grief, the number two, growth, and sign up to make a small monthly donation. Patrons get access to exclusive bonus content and knowledge that you are helping to spread the message of grief to growth. For more about Brian and grief to growth, visit www.grief2growth.com. Hey there, if you like this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you liked. If you didn't like this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you didn't like. Go to grieftogrowth.com slash community and look for talk about the podcast. I'll see you there.